Welcome back to Grand Round Season 1 Purpose in a Pandemic with Jennifer Weiss and Leah Weiss. Today we got to spend time with one of my very best friends in the whole world, Amanda Mahoney. So that's what it's called, Grand Rounds Podcast. I love it. Yep. Like it, I, I kind of had to jam this down a little bit, but I figured it would be more annoying to someone who is a doctor. Um, but I feel like it's good, right? Every time I hear the hospital I work at, the vet hospital that I go into, and they're like, do you want to be a part of Grand Rounds? I'm like, oh, yes. Like, it just sounds like important. And it's it super knowledgeable. Yes, I love that. Yeah, totally. All the veterinarians are like, yeah. Sometimes I'm there because they'll be discussing something that they know is going to be heavy. So I'm there to kind of help balance it. Can we have pets on then? If, if oh my God, you can zoom with the porcupine and a sloth. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they've got things. <laughs> okay. So welcome Thanks. to Grand Rounds, our very first episode. Um, Leah, would you like to do, uh, to bring us on point since I'm so derailing right now? Um, Amanda, it is such a pleasure to have you here with us. And I'm really looking forward to talking about life's big questions, um, thinking about purpose and um, living a purposeful life in times of a global pandemic and hearing your thoughts and and recommendations for us and our listeners. Um, So, you know, one of the questions that... Wait, before we jump into questions, can we ask her to introduce herself? Sure. I know her. She's my best friend. <laughs> but the world needs to know Amanda Mahoney Kuhn as well. Oh, A lot yeah. of the world does know her. A lot, you know, listen, it goes back to the early 80s and Connect Four, but let's bring us up to date in 2020. So, um, so my name is Amanda Mahoney, and I am uh, Dr. Jennifer Weiss's best friend. She's a fantastic orthopedic surgeon who you might already know. And because of her, I got to also be really good friends with Leah White, Dr. Leah White. Um, I'm a psychotherapist. I live in Colorado. I really get to explore a lot of different things in my career. I'm a grief therapist is my specialty. And um, thankfully, because of my best friend, Jen, got to meet Leah not only as a human, but also she introduced me into this world of compassion and compassion training about seven years ago. And it's really evolved into not only a passion of mine, but something that I really, it helps sustain me in my profession and um, love sharing the benefits and and how that's been evolving. So thanks for having me. It's like having like a family reunion. I know, Nana's showing up later. Oh my gosh. I can't Kidding, also kidding about that. Oh. <laughs> you got so excited. You can't do it. Nana, we go on retreats together. It's awesome. <laughs> cool. So, yes, that's me in a nutshell. So what's your perspective on how um, a lot of people right now are struggling just to get by, right, in the day-to-day? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think about anchoring on purpose and big picture in such a tumultuous time? I think it's a really good question. Way to start with an easy one. You know, one of the things that I feel like I've learned over the the, these past years is that 
bringing this awareness that you can have both at the same time of any kind of feeling or emotion. So when you ask me that question, what comes up right away is this idea that there's like this sense of chaos and unsettling while there's also this sense of a new version of purpose. Um, whether that's in like a family life and how you're oriented towards spending more time in a purposeful way with your family, whether that's with kids, pets, um, partners, all of the above, friends that are family, um, while also being able to experience the uncertainty that surrounds all of us from day to day. Um, so I think for me, when I look at how purpose is impacting me, um, I go back and I mean, this is, this is authentically my answer. I go back to how we work <laughs> and what you taught me about it all counts um, and what you teach people in your book um, that with the mindfulness that I can allow it all to count, it helps to damp down the more chaotic parts and bring purpose into the pieces that are more fulfilling and maybe in ways that I didn't recognize before, whether it's professionally or personally. As you started to identify your purpose mm -hmm. um, or reiterate, reiterate your purpose or refurbish your purpose, um, mentorship during that time, having mentorship, mm -hmm. giving mentorship, um, what are your thoughts on that? I feel like the mentorship for me, um, and in my case it was with Leah, um, it gave me permission to really authentically be me and, and to really take a deeper dive in what are the things that I want to accomplish versus what are the things that I felt I needed to accomplish. Um, and I think that what, what evolved for me was this availability to say, just because I can doesn't mean I should, that piece, right? And be able to really narrow down the parts of my personal and professional life that really were fulfilling that purpose. And then I think, you know, piggybacking on that, like you were mentioning, then when I would either speak with clients in therapy or if I were doing, if I was doing presentations for people regarding mindfulness or compassion or self-care, then passing that forward, you know, being able to say it all counts and being able to say you can give yourself permission to take a deep breath and downsize and you're still good enough and you're still making an impact and you're still doing what you hope to do and actually you're probably doing it better because it's more focused and authentic. So I think um, that was one of the most impactful piece, the, the permission giving, which I didn't know I needed because I'm, I pretty much do what I do what I want, but I really, but I really did need that focus of the uh, with the permission in that trusting way. I have a qualifying question. I'm um, speaking of mentors. You're my mentor in terms of boundaries. You've you've been oh. wonderful in your life at creating compassionate boundaries. Um, so my question to you, you. is: How has <laughs> how has the isolation of COVID sort of played in to those boundaries um, in either a healthier or less healthy way? Mm. I think, um, first of all, I really do appreciate that you say that. Um, I'm going to put it on my resume. Um, <laughs> Dr. Jennifer White says that I am, <laughs> she's, I'm, a, I'm her mentor when it comes yes. to boundaries. <laughs> yes, no, for sure. But in all seriousness, no, it's a super, it's really a thoughtful 
question because I think I, I think that I can give myself um, an appropriate compliment in saying because I am so strict about my boundaries, I was very much aware that like my home office is it's literally like right by the front door of my house where you welcome everybody in um, and having to create a space that allowed me to close myself off, obviously provide a confidential space, do all the things that I needed to do to make sure that I could continue to provide the services that I do, but then also to be able to leave this space and go into my house and my home with my family and be that version of myself. I used to have my car ride home to be able to do that in a very practical way. Um, so I think from a practical standpoint, but then from a, um, I think it was it was it was a little bit exhausting in the beginning to really maintain those same expectations around boundaries that I always had in one space. Um, I think I took for granted those transitional moments in the car or you know meditations in between activities, things like that. So I'm curious, you know, one of the things we've been really interested in is um, you know, the idea that you'll be familiar with from your therapeutic training around post-traumatic growth or as people are kind of talking about it in popular terms um silver linings or, or warnings from covid mm -hmm. and curious um you know if you can share with us what some of them have been for you and, and yeah. what prompt our listeners to think about their own yeah um I, I think that probably the biggest thing is is with like the boundaries that Jen had talked about before and the mindfulness and the education um, that you have been able to help me with, Leah. Um, I was surprised with the realization that I did not engage with my family as much as I think, or excuse me, as much as I thought I had been. So I had been very intentional of like not overscheduling the kids, not overscheduling myself. Um, and so I think it was a little bit like the growth that I see coming from this period of time for me um, and I guess with my family is being much more intentional in reality testing. Like what is our availability and our bandwidth? Um, and just really, you know, it's like practice what you preach. We know all the research about what it is to eat family dinners together and to engage that way. And and I feel like I was kind of doing it on the fly before. And now we're actually sitting around our kitchen table and eating dinner together more often than not. And that really, truly has been a great gift um, that has come from this. Um, and I think especially my kids are 13 and 10. So it's been interesting time to be able to be spending so much time with them. So really trying to appreciate and be grounded in those moments um, so I don't let them pass by. Have you had any moments that come to mind that particularly have challenged your purpose slash felt like burnout moments? And, and mm -hmm. I use that word burnout knowing that um, all that it implies. So in yeah, any yeah. sense of that word. I'll talk about, can I talk about Kai? Of course. Yeah. So my stepdad, Kai, I know, we all love. Um, so my stepdad, Kai, is an amazing man. He's a retired surgeon and um, just, you know, I was so thankful that got to have a relationship with Jen. And I know Leah got to have a relationship through many stories. But um, 
just one of the smartest and most uh, amazing men I've ever met and was very thankful to have him as another dad in my life. I was, the, the joke in our family is my mom picks really good husbands and I'm sure she'll be thrilled to hear that if she ever listens to it, but she does. I had two like amazing, uh, amazing father figures. But so uh, Jen and Leah know this. So Kai got um, COVID and ended up dying from it. He died from renal failure um, as a result of COVID. So he was, um, he survived COVID, but then the after effects were too much for him. Um, he was in insane shape. So it, it, there's a lot of anger, which presented originally as burnout with how he died. Um, because he spent his entire life being super healthy and super mindful and educating himself, um, you know, in every which way about what longevity looks like. And so when he first started going through what ultimately ended up being his dying process, I felt very scattered at home, very scattered in my professional life. I had to do a lot of very intentional grounding and boundary making. Um, and I started to feel those effects that burnout can have. Um, and definitely the empathy fatigue work was good. Like it was interesting because work was good because I was really prepared thanks to the education that I've gotten of how to keep myself in that workspace. But, but life, I was being, I was becoming, I was starting to feel burned out on life um, and all the complications. Like, how do I get back East? Can I get back East? What is that going to look like? How do I get to where my stepdad is? I need to see him before he dies, all these things. So then I think that what happened in the grieving process is like learning, okay, so what was fatiguing, what was burnout, and then processing it into this, like, actually I'm really, the, the, I'm, I'm grieving and I'm, and I'm mad um, that that's what ended up taking his life. Um, and so, so it's been an interesting evolution. So I think also kind of related to what Leah was saying before, it's like that post-traumatic growth in a sense was like, wait a minute, the emotions that I'm experiencing from what's going on in my life in a, in a, on a you know, micro level and then looking further into the entire world is actually um, a burnout that was hiding my anger in, in an interesting way. Um, so I think that that's really, that's where it presented for me, which if you had asked me if I'd ever think that I'd be burnt out on that kind of thing, I don't think I would have, I'm like, you know, death and dying and end of life process. It just, it never would have entered my uh, thought process, but it's, it's a result of, of all that we've been talking about, the isolation, the inability to do what we usually do, not having access to, um, and being able to see people in the way, because I mean, clearly I would have come to see you. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, I need, <laughs> I need I him to break, but you can't even do that. And I, you know, so all those things. That's what comes to my mind when you, when you say it. I feel like I was well prepared for work, but I wasn't prepared for the personal effects of things essentially not going my way, you know? No. Yeah. I, I, I'll tell you, this was a, a hard time not to be able to get on a plane to go be with you. Oh, I know. I appreciate it. Thank you. But you were there for the phone calls that I don't even know how you understood what I was saying. So thank you for <laughs> the tear-filled phone calls. But yeah, yeah, it's an interesting it's 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 an interesting thing to think about outside of your normal expectations of what burnout would look like. 
and how it would present and having all this education and knowledge and always wanting to learn more. And it's just an interesting piece of the larger puzzle that I, I never would have expected. So from that learning perspective, it's, it's um, I'm very, I wanna, you know, look further into it, but. Well, it's interesting to hear you talk to, I mean, I think one of the frames that comes through is how you have this learning orientation towards pretty much everything. Um, and I think for me that, really ties together with living a purpose-driven life. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, I think one of the things that would be interesting to hear your thoughts on, or you know, do you have a, a way that you articulate your purpose for yourself these days? Like, could you formulate it into a sentence if someone like me were to ask you that now? Or how would you go about it if there's not, um, kind of a ready-made answer, how would you? Yeah, I know. I think I always, I think I, I really, I want to figure it out because I feel like I feel what it is. And I think um, as I've been taught, putting it on paper and putting words to it is so helpful. Um, <laughs> I'm winking at Leah because she taught me that. <laughs> um, so yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, it, it's so interesting because I feel like I, I wish I could quickly pull up what I had written down as my purpose when we went through this exercise so many months ago. Um, and then I think about what is this process that how it has evolved. And I really look, my immediate default is where is my attention and time best spent for the benefit of myself, my family, and the professionals I get to interact with um, and I say get with with huge intention because I really do feel very um, privileged to be able to have the opportunity to work with everyone I get to work with um, so I feel like my purpose is to bring mindfulness to moments of personal professional and future facing moments in a way that satiates my goals of my heart, my mind, and my vision for my 106 moments. <laughs> have I guys sorry, told you about my 106? No. Okay, so I have to give Do you tell. context now. Because otherwise that just looks like, why is she saying 106? So it actually relates to Kai. So um, Kai's Aunt Bet lived to be 106. So I've, I've started this conversation with a lot of my clients and a lot of people that I work with just about like, one, it's this idea of 106 it. So Aunt Bet lived to be 106. She owned her house in upstate New York and her neighbor's house. Her neighbor was her caretaker. The caretaker got too old to take care of Aunt Bet. So Aunt Bet called Kai and was like, by the way, the caretaker's too old, so now her daughter's taking care of both of us. I'm good with it, we're fine. So Aunt Bet and she'd go down and have her cognac every day at the local bar and restaurant, it was great. But she really lived her life the way she wanted to live it, her whole, whole life. There's so many stories. But the short version is at 106, she called Kai. She didn't have any children, so he was like her son. And she said, Kai, I'm ready to go. 
And he said, okay, what do you need? And she said, nothing, I'm good. And so as everyone would, or most people would hope, she just quietly passed over the course of a month and a half, um, was very cared for, was very comfortable. So my 106 it has become when I hope, I wanna be 106, I've decided like on bets, and I, I hope against hope that that can be how my life ends. And when that process, and when I'm going through that process, what are the things I want to be thinking of? And so in my present day life, if something is causing me angst or something is causing me turmoil or something is causing me anything other than something balanced and nice, <laughs> I think, okay, let me 106 it. Is this something I'm gonna wanna worry about in these last moments of my life? And so it's this way that I kind of keep my north north. <laughs> so that's the long version of why I said 106 it at the end. So just edit out the 106. I created enough pause if it ends up being too long of a story. <laughs> well, I have got to tell you that <clears throat> when we were new moms together, um, I have a 14 year old and Amanda has a 13 and a half year old and those girls are also best friends. Um, but when our daughters were less than a year of age and um, some of us were more stressed about things than others. Um, the, <laughs> the advice that Amanda would give to me and herself was, is it gonna matter when they're 18? Um, so it's a very similar sort of closing of circle. Um, yeah, yeah. So I was the one who was really stressed, by the way, for all of you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Then I gotta give you credit. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but I would, I would say, um, I, I want to ask something a little bit, hopefully uplifting, um, as we, uh, as we sort of come toward the end of our time together, which is, I, you're my best friend. I know how much joy you have in your family, and I know how much joy you have in your spiritual practice. And I'm curious, during COVID, during isolation, how have those two things kind of linked together for you or have they remained separate? I think both, if I'm gonna be really honest. I think both. I think that um, the familial piece, it's, it's, it is a great source of comfort and connection. And it, it's complex when, you know, when there's these forced boundaries, um, around and then expectations that can come with that. So um, so I think that like that connection has been, continued to bring resiliency to, um, to myself and, and how I feel um, engaged with people. And of course, like my dad was a huge, a huge supporter of family and family, like the friends that become family. So it's all encompassing and, and that creates that balance for that familial connection that I think helps create that resiliency. And the practice piece, it's like, I, I, have, I don't know that I've ever, in the years that I've been practicing, done breath-focused meditation as such a primary, primary practice, really just to settle me into the moment. Um, and then like the self-compassion pieces. Um, have also been great. I think where they overlap is making sure that with intention, I'm expanding these ideas with my kids, um, just from their younger mindset and having those moments to take a deep breath and recognize it's hard. This is hard. 
um, and not every we don't always have the answers and, and we can be fluid in the experience as long as we remain fluid in our uh, thought process so yeah I think it's a I think it's a both I'm going with both if, are there any tools that you recommend specifically uh, for our listeners to use? And are there tools that you've made that we can direct people to uh, meditations or other things that you uh, think would be supportive for people in amplifying purpose in their lives? What would yeah. they, and we'll link to them in the show notes. Well, hopefully you're already linking to your websites and your, your tweets because those are, <laughs> I guess this is the truth. Um, so both Leah and Jen, I, it's like the opportunities that they have on their websites and in their social media connection, I think are invaluable and um, generously accessible. Um, so definitely link into those. Um, I do feel like I have been really intentional about um, getting kind of lost in the rabbit hole of TED Talks that satiate my desired mindset, especially when my desired mindset not be might not be right where I am. Um, I always love, of course, Kelly McGonigal's um, The Upside of Stress or How to Make Stress Your Friends, Dr. Leah Crumb's Change Your Mindset, Change the Game. Um, that those are two of my favorites. Um, I, I feel like um, I got a book by Mark Dingman called Your Brain Explained. That was kind of fun to go through and like re-familiarize myself <laughs> with all of those pieces. Um, but I think that, I, I think it's really been with intention listening, listening to things that hold me up um, and being very aware of not being overwhelmed by things that bring me down. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this and um, and and be with these questions and this yeah. uh, help us work through our process too. It feels uh, apropos that we would be doing our first interview with you. Um, well, I'm honored. Thank you so much for having me. You two women are extraordinary and I, I both I love you both dearly and am both inspired and in awe of you most days and so keep doing the good work because we all need it. I love you too and I also um, will have to be careful not to say that to some of our guests because they might think that's weird. <laughs> that's okay. It's okay. You better not say it to all of your guests. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us for our time with Amanda Mahoney. We look forward to seeing you next time on Grand Rounds, a podcast with two sisters asking life's big questions. But it feels like yesterday somehow time has stopped.